fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday. Hey, we're back at it again. It's hard to believe it's been such a short turnaround. I've missed you as we're back in the saddle, ready to rock and roll for another week, going into a holiday week with Labor Day on Monday next week. It's hard to believe because after that, man, then it's the trifecta. It's the Halloween. It's the Thanksgiving. It's the Christmas. It's the New Year's. And then we do the cycle all over again. We start the vicious cycle from square one all over again, and we've almost, we haven't made it yet, so we can't confirm this, but we've almost survived the year of 2023. We'll see if we can make it through the next few months. Hey, welcome into the show, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, plus the TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen. We love you to death, your millennial general. Reporting for duty like we do every single day. There are times, my friends, where we shake our heads, we scratch our heads, we bang our heads against the wall, and we wonder where in the world the mentality is for some portions of society. We wonder where in the world the thought process is for some in the political field. We wonder sometimes where they're even coming up with the ideas that they come up with. And sometimes you hear the dumbest, most absurd comments that you'll ever hear in your entire life and they pass it off as common sense as normal as the new norm as fact or as a reasonable conversation and sometimes man just when i think you couldn't possibly be any dumber you go and do something like this and that (laughs) that's where we're at as we start off the show today with our what's trending because i'm telling you what's trending today this one will blow your mind blow your mind i mean going poof You won't know what the heck happened is the headline, the news report that I heard on a legitimate news source today. Not going to tell you which one it was. A legitimate news source today had a story that ran this talking about the latest poll of Joe Biden and the majority of Americans, Democrats included, saying that Joe Biden is too old to be in office and should not run for a second term. Now, this is the beginning. Let me set the stage here for you for just a moment. This is the beginning, not the end all, but this is the beginning of the operation Joe Biden fell down the stairs while trying to tie his shoes project ready for him to exit the presidential race of 2024. I was wrong, and I've openly admitted that. I thought that this operation, Joe Biden accidentally trips down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe project, would have happened about a month into his administration. And we thought it would happen early on. Obviously, it didn't. And I realized that the reason it didn't happen was because they planned on Kamala Harris stepping up and taking over the presidency early on. Then they realized how unpopular she was. So then they were kind of stuck in the quandary. Do we keep Joe Biden and use him as the puppet? Do we have Kamala Harris, who's extremely unpopular? Now, it's not to say that Joe Biden's been popular in any way, shape, or form either. But it does help that he's just kind of the puppet to just direct Joe Go over there. Oh, okay. And then he scuttles over. Joe, say this. And then he goes about his day, and they just try to cover for him. But now the operation is finally commenced. Operation Joe Biden fall down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe is officially here. And you know it's happened when they run a story like this, admitting that the latest polls show that an average American thinks that Joe Biden's too old to be in office for a second term. 
but yet they try to defend it by this story. He may well be mentally sharp, at least when it comes to decision making. <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait a second. Did I hear that right? He may be sharp mentally. He just looks old. The perceiving of being old, which when Americans think that the economy's bad, it's not really bad. These aren't the joy Joe looking for. That it just perceived is bad because of high inflation and how expensive things are to buy. But it's really not bad. It's just perceived bad by the consumer. Joe Biden's not really old and out of his prime to handle decision-making as the president of the United States. He just seems that way because your eyes are eluding you. Your eyes are actually giving you the wrong information called reality. He may well be mentally sharp, at least when it comes to decision making, but <laughs> most people don't see that. The vast majority of us don't see that. We judge based on the image of a president who shuffles a bit when he walks, who appears to be uh, very frail when he gives uh, many addresses or presentations. The truth is Biden's in very good shape for somebody his age. I don't know many 80-year-olds who could even come close to doing what Biden does. But the image matters enormously. Wow. Did I just hear that right? Did we literally just hear the same thing right now? Because I'm very confused about how reality goes today. Because if we hear something that's not right, if we see something that's not right, then it's usually not right. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, and it uh, smells like a duck, and it tastes like a duck, then it's probably a duck. But according to the media now, while they try to play Operation Joe Biden falls down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe because they want him out of office and he will not be the presidential nominee in 2024, they're now saying, well, the majority of Americans think he's old, but he's not really old. He's 80 years old and he's in really good shape for an 80-year-old out there. So if you put it into those perspectives where it should be a guy that's in a nursing home, he's in really good shape right now. But because he shuffles his feet and he moves really slowly and he doesn't act a whole lot, then people perceive him to be old. But he's not really old because his mind is actually really sharp. I mean, do you understand what's happening in this news right now? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I want to read you the, the actual entire news story on this. 77% of those asked believe President Biden, who is 80, is too old to be effective for another term. He may well be mentally sharp, <laughs> at least when it comes to decision making, but most people don't see that. Larry Sabato is the director of the Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. We judge based on the image of a president who shuffles a bit when he walks, who appears to be very frail. About half of those asked said 77-year-old Donald Trump is too old for another term. Well, they had to throw Donald Trump in there as well. But man, uh, so we have now the poll that says he's too old because we hear him in his cognitive ability that he is lapsing and does not have. We see him where he has to go up the uh, elderly ramp on Air Force One because he's not able to walk up the regular stairs on Air Force One. He doesn't know where he's at all the time. We could play all the audio clips, but we don't have enough time on this program to run all the audio clips of how cognitively disabled Joe Biden actually is. While we have the media out there starting to drop the breadcrumbs on Operation Joe Biden fall down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe, but yet trying to defend him at the same time. We can't knock the Democrat Party too badly yet. It's not time. The right candidate hasn't jumped into the race. Gavin Newsom hasn't jumped in yet. Michelle Obama hasn't jumped in yet. And a new candidate that's on the campaign trail. Have you heard this one? 
What's trending today? Oh, yes, they really want this guy, even though he would fall into that category of being old as well. But this guy apparently is the cool hipster old guy. Is Bernie Sanders back on the trail in New Hampshire? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, remember, and this falls right into the topical flavor of the day, but according to the Democrat, and I say that with air quotes because he's really an independent that likes to be socialist, that utilizes the Democrat Party for his own personal benefit, is set to deliver a speech the agenda America needs as he heads to New Hampshire's Institute of Politics on the populism of socialism. Quote, I've always believed that good public policy is good politics. The American people are increasingly disgusted at the growing levels of income and wealth inequality in our country and the rampant corporate greed that we are seeing. And there's speculation that he could be jumping into the race again. Now, if American voters are wary of older individuals running because we want a new face, we want a new generation, we want new people to take over, why would they support someone like Bernie Sanders? Well, I have a theory on that, and it's because he's the only one really preaching the socialist movement like so many in the Democrat Party want. And you got to remember, during a time of economic uncertainty, even though, again, just like the media is saying that, well, our eyes perceive us with Joe Biden not being too old. These aren't the droids you're looking for. While they try to say, well, your eyes are... Uh, are distracting you. The eyes are lying to you with reality. It's not really Joe Biden being old. It's just perceived that way. They're saying the same thing about the economy, and it's not working. As the vast majority of the polls nationwide say that the economy is in the tanks, we have over $4 a gallon of gas as an average across the nation, which is devastating. We have food that's up near 30% over the past three years and could be going up another 15% after the Biden administration has announced that they're sinking, by the way, $1 trillion into the food stamp program on top of what's already there. As you know, we talked with some elected officials over the past few days on the uh, Farm Bill of 2023, and now it's gone from 80% of the Farm Bill that's actually going towards the SNAP program, not towards farmers, not towards crop insurance, not towards helping out farmers during times of, oh, I don't know, drought or extreme heat or the supply demand chains or uh, issues with Russia and the Ukraine causing grain shortages across the globe. None of that is the the Farm Bill actually helping the farmers for that situation. Instead, it's been historically 80% of the Farm Bill going towards food stamps and the SNAP program. Well, now that's gone to, uh, according to U.S. Senator Roger Marshall, my senator here in the state of Kansas, which if you did not hear that interview, you can listen to that with our syndicated program we had over the weekend, and you can find our podcast at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, that he talked about now this Farm Bill of 2023 sees an increase from 80% of the Farm Bill going towards food stamps to up to 90 to 95% of the Farm Bill 2023 that is allotted towards not farmers, but the food stamps, with over a trillion dollars more being added into the SNAP program from the Biden administration, which all the economic experts say that that could raise food inflation up another 15% from what we've already seen, which is roughly 25 to 30% over the past three years. Imagine how expensive food's going to be when we hit that level. And because the economy's trashed, Because inflation is sitting at near 20% over the past three years, because food is anywhere between 30 to now 45% over the past three years, and with the Federal Reserve coming off a weekend where they had their annual visit talking about the economy, saying, well, we still need to raise interest rates because inflation right now is still around 3% month over month right now. We want it to about 2%, so we still have to price people out of the market even more so than what we've already done. 
raising interest rates here soon again, raising mortgage rates, raising that prime rate for everybody that has any type of debt that's a variable rate that's going to go up, making things more expensive to even just pay for your regular bills. We have a major sense of economic insecurity. And when we come to a time where we're scared, when we're vulnerable, when we're concerned, we have a crossroads. We have a fork in the road that we have to decide what direction we're going to go. And the sensible direction would be towards, I'm going to go towards capitalism. Get the government out, set the free market levels on its own, and that way I can make my own and I can either make or break on my own, but that's a little bit more dangerous, it's a little more risky, and there's not a whole lot of a safety net there for me, which to some and to many that aren't used to that situation, that could be very scary. The other direction that we could go is the direction that Bernie Sanders is offering. And that's the direction that predominantly throughout the times of humanity and history, when we get to a point of uncertainty, when we get to that point of scaredness, when we get to that point of concern and anxiety, we go towards the safe route. And I say safe with air quotes for our radio listeners, which is the idea of socialism. We build that safety net. We spend more money for the government to take care of us. That way we have less control in our hands, more control in the government's hands. But I feel safer because therefore I'm not at risk as much to fail in a system that's set up for me to have equal opportunity, not equal outcome. And with all the signs written on the wall, Bernie Sanders sees another opportunity, that one last shot to jump into the race, to change the Democrat Party to that socialist movement and bring that, quote unquote, economic certainty. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Your eyes are deceiving you. Don't believe what you're actually seeing and feeling when you go to the grocery store or when you go to the gas pump or when you hear Joe Biden speak or when you see him walking around. Don't believe it. These aren't the droids you're looking for. You're a liar. You're a fool. Your eyes are lying to you every day. You need to listen to us, and we'll tell you exactly what you're seeing, and then you can put it in that perspective. We can put the goggles on, the lenses on, for you to see it the way we want you to see it, which is Joe Biden's fit and barrel for an 80-year-old. He's doing fantastic. He's mentally... <laughs> I can't even say it without actually laughing. He's mentally sharp. Sure he is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's all right. But we have an, econom- an economy in disaster right now, which is why Bernie Sanders... Now, again, he's not going to get the nomination. He's got a very small sect of the Democrat Party that is growing... But it's not enough to win over that nomination. Although, I don't know, there's not a valid real candidate to step in, at least right now. It is Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama, Bernie Sanders out of those three. I think the Obamas are going to take it away again because they have that sexiness appeal. And not by looks, obviously, but by the celebrity status that appeals to some where they don't care about the actual policies that they stand for. It's just, man, they sound really good. They look really good. They're very suave. They're very awesome. They're very hip, which speaking of leads to the Republican side of it. After the debate last week, there's been a lot of controversy conversation regarding Vivek Ramaswamy on whether he's a paid opposition or whether he's actually a legitimate Republican candidate. If you are curious about that, we did a deep dive on that on our syndicated program over the weekend as well, which I highly recommend you go and check out which you can find on our podcast at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. There is cause for concern for some 
on whether Vivek Ramaswamy is actually a legitimate candidate or not. On the Republican side, because the Democrats obviously are trying to take advantage of the situation by lying to you, your eyes are deceiving you. Don't pay attention to Bernie Sanders. Don't pay attention to Joe Biden. Don't pay attention to the bad economy. Everything's great. On the Republican side, Donald Trump starting to see a little bit of a slip in the polls, as according to the Emerson College polling, the uh, Donald Trump has slipped from 62% at his peak for Republican voters down to 50% after the debate and the interview that he had with Tucker Carlson last year or last week. Now, uh, I came out with, I guess, a quote unquote unpopular opinion about that interview with Tucker Carlson, where I think he missed an opportunity to do what he wanted to do. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe people still loved him. Obviously, that didn't take my support or not support away from him. Just an observation of how he handled that interview and what he could have done with that interview as the alternative and as the rebuttal from essentially the debate that happened that night. But his poll numbers have gone down. Ron DeSantis slowly climbed from his low that he's been seeing at near 10 percent. He's gone up to 12 percent. Vivek Ramaswamy is close to that as well, sitting according to the Emerson College poll at 9%. So even with the tip, we got to put this into perspective. And the perspective is Donald Trump, while he may have seen a slip in the polls, has still a wide margin among Republican voters at 50% of the vote compared to Ron DeSantis, who's in second place at 12%. So we still have a wide gap in between them. Here's the concern that some have, though. Donald Trump has a 50% of support within the Republican Party. It's even lower when it comes to the general populace outside of just registered Republicans, with that poll showing that Donald Trump's too old, Joe Biden's too old, and now we need to look for another candidate, quote-unquote, or not. And if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, I'm hoping that most Republicans will get on board with him or whoever may become that presidential nominee. And it's appealing to those independents, those unaffiliated voters, those middle-of-the-road, wishy-washy, I don't know what I stand for types, where they don't really describe what they stand for, but they just don't like either party because, well, evil two-party system. We had an interesting interview last week with the Libertarian Party and why so many are leaving the two-party system. I've said it many times before, while that sounds nice, they don't have a chance of winning, so it's figuring it out. But is the polls going to continue to decline for Donald Trump, or will they bounce back up which by the way his trial date is now set for march the exact same time as primary season gee no politics being played there at all interesting conversation joe allen with us right around the corner here on the voice of reason for a monday this stay here the voice of reason with andy hoosier When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Is it just me or does it seem like election season continues to get earlier and earlier? We're over a year out still and we're talking about all the shenanigans of Joe Biden and Donald Trump and the 15 total Republican candidates on the stage, and or at least not on the stage, but at least in the race, not all of them making the debate stage. Then we have the potential Democrats with Gavin Newsom and Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama. It's a wild time. And we're over a year. You have to deal with this crap for over a year. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Good golly. It's just, it's almost like the holidays where now, like, oh, oh, it's September. Might as well start pulling out the Christmas stuff. Come on, man. 
Although I have seen Halloween stuff, and I'm okay with that. We're getting into September at least, so you can start at least allow that to come out so you can enjoy it for a decent amount of time before you take away the spookiness and then keep the fall things and then you transition. And please, do not put up Christmas lights or Christmas things until the day after Thanksgiving. After that, it's all ears, man. I'll listen to the music. I'll do the lights. I'll do the decorations. Afterwards. Afterwards. Not until then. Drive me nuts, man. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? I am so excited about this conversation we're about to have because this is going to be the future, the conversation that we need to have, and it goes so deep that it's going to make your brain hurt a little bit. As I got this over the weekend, now this is a hearty book, baby, which means it's good because I love this. And I got to look over it throughout the weekend, and I'm so excited we had to bring on the guests to talk about this as it is the ongoing battle of what the future may hold, not just for the United States, not just for your local community, but for humanity in general, as the book is Dark Aeon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. What is AI? What is technology? And what does the progression of civilization look like moving forward? Excited to have on the program Mr. Joe Allen with us here. Joe, how are you, my friend? Uh, just fine, Andy. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I am excited. I appreciate you coming on here. I, I, I'm really loving the book. Obviously, have not made my whole way through this one uh, from over the weekend, but it is mind-blowing on how deep this battle is, on how concerning this battle is in this quote-unquote transhumanism with the war on humanity, because they try to tell us that computers, AI, technology, they're here for our benefit. Don't worry, AI, which said multiple times when we ask it, which is kind of interesting, will be able to take care of us better than what we can. It's time for us to just retire. It's time for us to go off and enjoy the beach while we just let computers kind of run things for us, right? I mean, that's that's the way we need to go with society. <laughs> Yeah, at that point, you're nothing more than a parasitic organism riding on the belly of them. You're like a barnacle on a pole. Mm. And I think that if, if even an approximation of the goals are enacted, uh, many of us will be barnacles on holes. Not that plenty of people wouldn't be happy to sit back and relax that way. Yeah, well, let's talk about humanity in general right now in the direction that we've gone. We've seen technology evolve pretty rapidly over really the past couple decades, we were really at nothing for a while, and then boom, we get these computer chips, we get technology, and all of a sudden this thing has skyrocketed. Um, where do you think we're going to be in the next anywhere between 10 to 100 years compared to right now? Because right now we're just dipping our toes into artificial intelligence, and uh, right now if it continues the way that we're going, we could be completely irrelevant in society. You know, it's very, very, very difficult to predict with any accuracy where any technology is going to go. But uh, you can imagine, let's, let's look at the progression from the last 10 years, the last 20 years, the last 50 years. And as much as I hate to give Ray Kurzweil credit, because his idea of what the future should be is antithetical to mine, Ray Kurzweil points out that the acceleration of technological progress in almost any field, but especially in information technology, that that progression is exponential. Now, if you end up with artificial intelligence, given its improvements, say from the 80s, there was a burst in the 80s where it did pretty well with like facial recognition, handwriting recognition, things like that, uh, it, all the way up until really around 2010, 2011, 2012, Suddenly, you had a, a hard takeoff of machine learning techniques, neural networks, artificial intelligence that is not human level, but in the very small, in the very narrow domains that it's operating in, 
is at superhuman level. I'll give you one great example. You have AlphaGo produced by Google's DeepMind. Forever after Deep Blue beat the world master chess player in the 90s, people said no computer will be able, be able to do anything like that with Go. Go is the ancient Chinese board game, far more complex than chess. It requires a lot of intuition. AlphaGo trained on previous chess or Go moves and was soon able to blow human masters out of the water. Then they created AlphaZero in the next year, uh, two years later, sorry, 2018. And AlphaZero was given nothing but the rules of the game, no potential moves. And by playing against itself in what's known as an adversarial network, it was able not only to create its own moves that were effective in beating human beings, it basically became a wall. It was unbeatable by humans on its own creativity. Now, as you spread that out to different domains, from everything, everything from finance to warfare, uh, what we're going to see is a rapid tra transformation of the way people work, of the way people think. And I think ultimately the biggest problem, the way people believe uh, the, the, the faith that human beings have, because what I see is faith shifting from God to human beings and then onward to superhuman or superior machines. It's the fastest way to create a subservient population. Well, and we've already seen that transition a little bit, haven't we? I mean, every study shows and every poll shows that as the size of government continues to grow, that we see a lack of faith in a quote-unquote higher power of God because we put more faith in government to solve our issues. Whenever we see a shooting or something happen, we hear government do something. We don't try to fix it ourselves or look to the answer for that higher power. We've already put, essentially, the godlike mentality into government so you're saying we're going to take it to the next level of artificial intelligence, which is weird because while it quote-unquote learns and it can beat us at our own game now, is it really learning? Because from what they try to describe with artificial intelligence as well, it's not thinking on its own. It's plagiarizing by pulling different data from all over the interweb, from all over the world, and then compiling it and essentially just compiling a massive amount of plagiarization all into one thing. So is it just able to uh, assess information better than us, or how does this work? And there's two ways to look at it. Yes, it is definitely drawing all of its information from human-gathered data, uh, especially with the, the instance of the chatbot, right, the large language model, yeah. things like ChatGPT or BARD from Google, many others out there. And what it does is it rakes over all of this human data, ChatGPT. They oftentimes say all of human literature. It's not exactly that, but it's a lot of human literature. And then it's able, by just simply giving a prompt, you ask it a question or ask it to or tell it to write a paragraph or a sentence or an essay or whatever, and it can create an original distillation of all of that knowledge. So many would say that a human being, except for the most creative geniuses among us, a human being doesn't do anything much different. A human being learns from information in the environment and then comes to unique novel conclusions on the basis of it. Uh, the large language models are very clunky. They're prone to what's known as hallucinations, just spitting out false things. Uh, it, the poetry is awful. Everybody knows that. But the important thing isn't necessarily to look at the failures. The important thing is to look at the successes. And you're talking about a machine that's able to produce 
passable human literature, passable human utterances, and do so on the basis of a much larger corpus of information than any single human being could ever absorb. So it's a little bit of both, but again, unless this is it, unless it just stops here, then it's going to keep improving. And as it keeps improving, it's going to be more deeply integrated into society. And as that happens, it is going to change the way people think, and it's going to change what they believe about the nature of consciousness, and in many ways, uh, the nature of God. This is a lot of what the book deals with, is the religious undertones of all this. This is not me saying it so much as the people working on these technologies and the people directing where these technologies go. It is a religious system. They believe technology is the highest power in the universe and that it will ultimately be the salvation and the meaning of humankind. Yeah. The false god, the false prophet, the false messiah, however you want to look at it. We're talking with Joe Allen, author of the book Dark Aeon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. There is a rumor or a theory about an Operation Blue Beam from the government saying that government has technology anywhere between two to three hundred years above us, largely with a lot of this technology. And that, uh, speaking of the religious side, that they would stage a quote-unquote UFO invasion in order to uh, lock down militarization or to even stage the second coming of Jesus through holographic uh, technology that would be in the sky for us to fall and allow government or technology or whoever to consume as such. Do you think that that falls in line with what we're concerned about here? I think that such things are possible. Bluebeam is really interesting. It's, it's uh, not as tightly verified as some of the other programs looking in that direction. But uh, let's just say that such a thing were to come to pass. I don't think that you would have enough people putting their feet on the brakes that you would stop a mass movement of people just freaking out. Oh, my God, Jesus has returned. Or, oh, my God, the aliens have landed. I don't think that it necessarily has to be as tightly correlated with the, the idea of holograms either. Just on a day-to-day basis, the way in which right now the government is seeding this notion of alien beings who are visiting Earth, they're picking people up and doing all these genetic experiments with them, they're stopping military installations from performing uh, nuclear activities, uh, they're doing all these things. This, this, these ideas are being disseminated, people are believing them. And what is the alien narrative if not the idea that technology is the highest power and it is here now from another world? I I tell you what, Joe, hold on the line here and let's continue that conversation when we come back. I like that. Taking it to a little bit different level. It's Joe Allen. Dark Aeon is the book. We'll continue this conversation. Transhumanism and the War on Humanity right after this. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Oh, last few minutes of the show, how it flies right on by every day. And we run out of time so quickly. Makes me sad. We're hanging out with Joe Allen, author of the book Dark Aeon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Highly recommend 
you checking out this one to see what's uh, a little peek into our future. I want to finish up real quickly the uh, the point we were talking about with Operation Bluebeam and uh, the ETs and, and everything. Now, Joe, I have to admit, I'd, I'm totally believer in extraterrestrials. I think the aliens have been around for a really long time. I 110% believe in them, but they utilize that. I mean, I, here's my thought. The government's been dropping the breadcrumbs to finally admit the fact that they're there for us to be conditioned to at least accept the fact that they're there. But then they scare us through this Operation Blue Beam or other types of technology to try and scare us into thinking that maybe they're a threat. We need to militarize space. We need to take more control with our weapons and, and do whatever else. They're taking advantage of the situation like usual, like they always love to do. And it's it's really kind of the same pattern that we've seen with every other situation out there, isn't it? You know, uh, the movie The Phenomenon had a deep impact on me. That was uh, in 2020 that that came out. And The Phenomenon was put out by Netflix. It involved uh, Christopher Mellon, former intel for the D DOD, and also John Podesta of uh, Hillary Clinton campaign fame and now in the Biden administration. The concept in the movie was basically to show what they felt was the best evidence for UFOs, abductions, contacts, UFO sightings, so on and so forth. And the underlying message was that the aliens probably just want to turn humanity into good, carbon-free liberals and keep us from hurting <laughs> each other and hurting the planet. And so if you're a small child in South Africa, is one of the scenarios they use, and you see a UFO land and the aliens inviting you in, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. You should go in and get the free candy. It's probably very high-tech. Yeah. That seems to be the message. So, yeah, I, um, I, you know, one thing that I've focused on in my coverage of transhumanism and technology in general, it's the really the key element in the book. You have two things going on. You have the thing itself, the technology itself, yeah. and then you have the belief system about the technology. Uh, a lot of times the belief system is projecting a future that doesn't come to pass. A lot of times the belief system is projecting a future that those projecting it ensure come to pass. And then, of course, a lot of guys just get lucky with some great guesses. Yeah. The meaning behind that is this. You have to be able to parse out the belief system from the actual phenomenon itself. And that is very, very difficult because so much of what we know about any given technology, be it on this earth or another, comes through an expert class. And the expert class is always going to serve power with their rhetoric. It's a great point. I love it. We got, uh, Joe, we got just about a minute and a half left here as we kind of wrap things up. But how is it affecting humans now in the sense of our physical uh, human stuff? Now, obviously, we talk about different uh, maybe mechanical arms if people have prosthetics, that sort of thing. But we've heard about uh, Neuralink from Elon Musk wanting to put microchips into our brains. Now we hear about the mutilation and mutating of our bodies in general through the trans uh, a transgender movement right now that could be tied to this as well. But uh, how is this affecting us now compared to what we could see in the future? Are we all going to be like half hybrid robots here soon? I go deep into that. Just to put it very briefly, everything that you just talked about hinges on the idea that the human body is imperfect and can be corrected or even perfected by technology. What we are seeing are the early experiments on that. You already have two companies that are working on brain-computer interfaces like Neuralink, Neuralink with well over 50 patients right now. Uh, these technologies are being driven under that paradigm, from healing to enhancement, 
and the concept that human beings can and must direct human evolution biologically, culturally, and even spiritually. Wow. That's a scary thought because if we're starting it now, again, like we talked about before with AI and the way the direction things are going to go, if we just blindly follow this stuff, then we could be in a world of hurt later on because right now we're already believing what AI tells us when a lot of times it's just completely fabricated, untrue, and it's just plagiarizing what's online to try and give you something and spout it out. But if we believe that they are gods, that they are above humankind, and we start believing in them in that sense, and they're giving us a whole bunch of hooey, then we're in for a world of hurt moving forward. It is Dark Aeon, transhumanism and the war against humanity. Joe, it's such good to talk to you, my friend. we got to get you back on and talk some more about this here soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Hey, absolutely. Love the conversation. Interesting stuff for sure. It is something that we need to be concerned about. Can we also take it for our advantage, be able to use it the best we can? I don't know. That's up for us to figure out, but we need to figure out the dangers of it before we move forward with that as well, which is why so many, including Elon Musk, have already advocated for the halting of the AI technology until we figure it out more. That is it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.